Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to Raising Good Humans. I'm Dr. Lisa Pressman, and I'm so thrilled to welcome back my dear friend and colleague, Dr. Tina Payne Bryson. She is the co-author of the most amazing New York Times best-selling books with Dr. Dan Siegel, The Whole Brain Child, No Drama Discipline, The Yes Brain, The Power of Showing Up, and she is also the author. If you have a baby, you've got to run out and get this, The Bottom Line for Baby. We wanted to have a conversation about helping explain the science and keep true to the science that we know about parenting and child development and get rid of kind of the noise that happens when the science gets translated in ways that are confusing or make the pendulum swing too far in one direction or the other. And we thought, why not have that conversation with all of you? If you enjoy this episode, don't hesitate to subscribe, rate, and write a little review. To support the show, please go to draliza.bulletin.com and sign up for my subscription. There's a free subscription with articles that are expanding on conversations that are helpful tools. And if you just don't have time for listening and want to skim something, just depends on your mood. And for premium subscribers, I have a course starting in May that is exclusive to premium subscribers that's going to bring practical parenting tools merged with an introduction to mindfulness. And I think it's going to be really cool and fun and intimate so that we can really get to know each other. That's draliza.bulletin.com. And it's for my premium subscribers. It's totally accessible. It's $4.99 a month. And I'm looking forward to more opportunities to communicate with everybody. You and I talk all the time about, well, we talk about a lot of things, but we talk a lot about the things we wish we could just like say out loud or straighten about some of the misunderstandings and the science and not even in the science, but in the, the translation of science and the translation of the sometimes wonderful, sometimes not so wonderful soundbite universe of social media and parenting. And so we've often said we should have this conversation on the podcast so that other people can participate in this conversation. So like, we're doing it. Let's do it. And the first thing that came to mind to me was the article that both of us saw in The New Yorker that was talking about gentle parent, the harm of gentle parenting. Yeah. The title was The Harsh Realm of Gentle Parenting. It's a great title. She, she's a great it writer. It's a great yeah. title. 
(laughs) And I think it was an important conversation to have because there have been a lot of misunderstandings and religion that's been going on in parenting. But the, the thing that struck me in that article was that much of this stuff that seemed like it was uncovering a truth is actually just authoritative parenting. Yes. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think what's so interesting is, I mean, obviously semantics matter, like how people define things matters, right? But I thought it was really interesting in the article, kind of talking about how people call this like gentle parenting. It's kind of an umbrella term for a pretty nebulous thing. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But what what she was talking about in the article was, you know, there's this kind of movement centering on acknowledging kids' feelings. This is like what she said in the article, acknowledging kids' feelings and the motivations behind the challenging behaviors as opposed to correcting the behavior. And this is where I think there's like a gap, right? There's a gap in thinking about, yeah, we got to talk about this. And actually I did my dissertation on this like 20 years ago. It is authoritative parenting gone far. To permissive. Yeah, it just moved. Exactly. And and I'll, I'll say too, I feel, I, well, I've always said any approach, even if it's a really good, wonderful, positive science-based one, taken to a literal and extreme only way is always bad. And I've never mm-hmm. seen it not be bad. And mm-hmm. I feel a little bit responsible sort of for, I feel like in the whole brain child and no drama discipline, Dan and I pushed the pendulum a little bit towards or a lot towards this idea of tuning into the mind but a lot of with along with along with a lot of other people tuning into the mind behind the behavior and acknowledging the child's feelings and and you know giving giving words and narrating children's experiences and you know we talk about chase the why but here's the problem we still are really confused in that we think about strict punitiveness and not paying attention to the child's emotions as one side of a single spectrum. And the other side is this gentle parenting where we're like all about the child's experience and it's completely child-led and it's all these things. Mm -hmm. It's not, they are not opposites of one dimension. They are two separate dimensions. Yeah. Exactly. That is what, what we really want to highlight in this conversation, right? Like, and, and I think what you and Dan did that was so critical is that you made part of the whole world of parenting outside of the, obviously the textbooks and academia aware of attunement and connection and in language that actually spoke to parents. And then as a result, it also spoke to so many clinicians and then it spoke to so many people that I think it got retranslated a gazillion different ways. And so you get people that translate it as setting a boundary is shaming or having, you know, having one part of the dimension that is not about attunement is somehow creating a disconnect and therefore not part of that kind of way of being. And so it wasn't really that this, that I think you were swinging the pendulum that way. I think you were highlighting the part of child development that previously had gotten less attention, which was the power of that attunement and connection. And then I think people read it, some people as that is the only thing 
and that somehow it is separate from instead of in concert with boundaries and limit setting. It's just bizarre because yeah. it I mean, never said that. I 100% stand by the push that I think we needed to move towards tuning into the interior life of our children, tuning into our own interior life. But where oh, yeah. things have gone wrong is the pendulum has swung so far that people have misunderstood a couple of big things. One big thing is what we're talking about, about tuning into the child's feelings, you know, and, and really like being curious behind the behaviors, understanding that a lot of behaviors are a stress response and are not within a child's control. That does not mean that we are deferring to the child, that we are always child-led, that we should be held hostage to the child's emotions. This does not mean that we never say to our children or that we're going to do harm to them if we say, put your shoes on. Like, it's okay to give a child a command. It is, I think, and based on what I know from the science. So that's one way I think it's just gotten, you know, like where we're held hostage to the child, like, oh, you don't want to put your shoes on. Oh, you were doing something else and it's really hard to stop doing something that's fun. And I know you really don't want to put them on. And then what I think some of this does is it stays with it. And then you're sitting there for 30 minutes having a reflective dialogue with your child about their feelings about putting their shoes on. That is never what I have recommended. I can say, I think it's perfectly appropriate to say to our child, you're so disappointed about having to stop what you're doing and you don't want to put your shoes on and it's time to put your shoes on. It's like, and then you can be upset and we can still leave and we don't have to sort through this right now. And you are not now a bad parent. Right. And if you, and that's the other things, like if you're, and then you can say, it's okay if you're sad about putting your shoes on and you can cry and I'm right here with you while you cry as we're putting the shoes on their feet. Right. So heading out the door. Right. And heading out the door. And sometimes it might mean carrying your kid half under an arm with limbs flailing and the shoes in your other hand and your car keys in your teeth. And, you know, it, and that's the other thing that I think has been a misunderstanding besides thinking we have yeah. to be held hostage to the child's emotion and defer to them and stay in these reflective dialogues. The other thing is that I think people have really misunderstood that if we say to our kid, oh, it's okay, or we say, put your shoes on, or or we don't stay completely calm all the time that we're bad parents. None of that is true. And so we've just gotten really confused about what this is about. So in a way, Aliza, I kind of, okay, so let's just get really clear. When we're talking about authoritative parenting, this is where it's not the, the two opposites of one dimension like we talked about. It's two separate dimensions. One is where we're really high on limits and boundaries and expectations um, and structure. And we're also really high on emotional responsiveness and attunement and connection. And really the science for decades and decades and decades and decades still supports that, which is called authoritative parenting. What I kind of want to do is, and you know, in the article, Jessica Winter talks about how that is still the primary kind of progressive dominant approach to parenting. I want to kind of say there's a place between, so according to that kind of school of thought and that research, it is a lot of emotional attunement and emotional responsiveness. But in the, in the kind of typical way we think about authoritative, it does allow for positive and negative reinforcement and even punishment. So what Mm -hmm. I want to do is, can we like coin a new term? I don't know what it is, but it's almost like the, the progressive, progressive authoritative parenting. So what I want to say now is, yes, we want to be high on all those limits and boundaries and we want to be high on emotional responsiveness, but it doesn't have to be with the old set of tools that we knew. Like, it doesn't mean you have to give timeouts. It doesn't mean that you mm-hmm. have to 
give, you know, you know, put kids on restriction or take away toys. Like you don't have to do those things. If you do those things, you're probably not doing too much harm anyway. But mm-hmm. I, we have new and more science-led tools to help us rethink what consequences are, what they could be, other ways of building skills. So it's almost like limits and boundaries that don't necessarily have to involve, and I think shouldn't involve, punishment. So we almost need a, a term that's sort of between this gentle parenting slash permissiveness and the old way we thought about authoritative parenting. It's almost like a, a 2.0 authoritative around the, the limits and demands thing where we rethink based on what we know more now from science about kids' nervous systems and we know more about development to rethink how we handle limits and boundaries. So that's kind of what I would advocate for is sort of a authoritative 2.0 where we're rethinking what that means in terms of the limits and boundaries, how we reinforce them and how we think about ourselves as disciplinary. For those of you who haven't heard authority, like the technical from the science terms, permissive, authoritative and authoritarian and neglectful, we're skipping neglectful parenting style. But for those of you who haven't heard it, what Tina just explained is exactly sort of the the gold standard for whatever that whatever that means, that authoritative space of holding the limits, boundaries and the sensitivity and then permissive is having lots of sensitivity and attunement, but not the other side of it. And the reverse with authoritarian is controlling, because I said so, limits and none of the sensitivity. And so I think that two of the things that you said, I mean, the authoritative 2.0, I love that because it's true. We can still, you can still hold on to the very real, I think, I think this really wild thing calling any of this revolutionary is bizarre because it's actually held true for decades now that the attunement sensitivity and connection is held up as highly as the boundaries and limit setting. It's not an or, it's a plus. It's a plus. Yeah. And yet we're still talking about basically that and naming it all sorts of different things. But when it gets misused and misinterpreted, it truly is just permissive because of that. And so I think the frustrated conversation is like, enough of this, let's go to authoritarian. But really, it's just grabbing hold of authoritative parenting in its true form, which is it does have both of those components. And we can, of course, reevaluate how we define setting limits. And as you said, punishment and consequences and any of those things in the context of the toolkit being updated the right. same way kitchen tools are updated exactly. and else with science. Exactly. So I think that is like really what probably is hard for us when we're reading articles like that or hearing from people that they're, it feels like there's a tension, like enough of this. And it's really not, it's not so extreme. It's, it sort of is mimicking politics. Like everything yes. feels so damn extreme. Yes. And most things are not so harmful or so amazing. And you're probably like, you you probably don't have as much control as you would like. I mean, we know you don't. So it almost feels like parenting is now politicized in that way. Yeah. I love what you just said there. It is. It's like an extreme version. And I think the way, you know, that, like in the article, it was saying, you know, what gentle parenting does is it it gives choices versus orders. Okay. And yes, 
strategy number one in the whole brain child is connect and redirect. Okay. Yes. We want to emphasize choices and connection and all those things. It doesn't mean you can't give an order also. Like, why yeah, are we saying it's this versus this? Thing. Totally. It's all about what freaking works without doing harm, right? <laughs> like yeah. when you have a three-year-old and get, if you have the option to give a choice and your child responds well to the choice in that moment and you can avoid a tantrum, great, offer a choice. If you can't offer a choice, like, the, you know, I'm not going to give you a choice about whether or not you, you know, you have to have a shot at the pediatrician. Like, that's not a choice. Like, you're doing this, you know, and I'm going to show yeah. up for you and be there with you and comfort you and all of those things. But, you know, I've had parents say to me, like, you know, I don't want to do a whole reflective dialogue and puppet show to get my kid to put their mm-hmm. shoes on. And that is real. And that's what we need to get back to is a little bit more authentic, practical kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. These are things that guide us. But what is happening is that parents feel like if they give an order instead of giving a choice, or if they don't talk to their child about their feelings about every micro moment throughout the day that they are not measuring up. And that is not true. Every kid is different. Every developmental stage is different. Every parent is different from moment to moment. We have to do what works and not measure ourselves by this funky extreme thing that we shouldn't even be holding ourselves to anyway. And you know what, if you say to your kid, and and that's the other thing too, is like, We think we have to be like calm and use this like therapist voice with our child every moment. Like that's not authentic. That's robotic and frankly weird. How about we just are like, you know, try to stay as regulated as we can. When we're not, we say to our kid, you know what? I wish I had done that differently. Will you forgive me? I'm sorry. Can I have a do-over? And you just move the heck on. Move along. We can't (laughs) like, like this is not real what people think they're supposed to be doing is not real. And now a quick break so that I can tell you about my sponsors, ZocDoc. No one knows what you're looking for in a doctor better than you do. And no one is better at giving you the tools to find the perfect doctor for you than ZocDoc. The people who created ZocDoc found a major pain point in healthcare, which is that it's really hard to find a good doctor, one that takes your insurance and that has availability and it can be very overwhelming. So that's what ZocDoc did. They found an easy way for booking, an easy way to make sure that these amazing doctors that do take your insurance are available. Then you can take your time to only focus on researching the doctors that are in your network. ZocDoc can put you on the path to see doctors who are right for you, and you don't have to just hunt down Aunt Shirley's cash-only chiropractor. By the way, I did have an Aunt Shirley and a Grandma Shirley, or the dentist your coworker recommended who's out of your network. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, they take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. Go to ZocDoc.com, choose a time slot, and whether you want to see a doctor in person or do a video visit. Just like that, you are booked. Finding the doctor that's right for you and booking an appointment that works for your schedule is so important because you have to go to the doctor. And sometimes these inconveniences actually make you avoid the very important medical checkups you need. Go to ZocDoc.com humans and download the ZocDoc app for free and then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com humans, ZocDoc.com humans. As parents, 
Everybody knows that time is precious. And not only do our kids grow up in the blink of an eye, but we very rarely have time for ourselves. We certainly aren't getting the regular sleep we need. Being able to reach a state of calm and chill before bed is just vital, not just for our current sanity, but our long-term health. That is why I need a little something to help me in my routine to fall asleep. And Magnesium by Moon Juice is a fizzy pink drink formulated with three forms of bioavailable magnesium and L-theanine to help with muscle relaxation, deep sleep, healthy brain activity, and a focused sense of calm. All things that we need and our kids deserve for us to have so that we can be better parents. Most magnesium supplements on the market contain one form of magnesium, but Magnesium has three different forms and are all bioavailable. So it really does help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and go to the bathroom in the morning, which is just a nice bonus. The L-theanine promotes alpha wave activity, which are the waves that your brain creates when you're in a deep meditative state. They call it meditation you can sip. And I have to say from my personal experience, this is really an instant calm that washes over my body after I drink this nightly pink drink. So if you find it difficult to find a moment of quiet in your home, use this as a body hack because especially for those of you who are getting a little bit, you know, older phase, it really helps you fall asleep. It's so easy to mix. One teaspoon into water dissolves instantly and it actually tastes good. To find your calm, go to www.moonjuice.com and use the code HUMANS at checkout for 20% off. There's no science to back up that being somehow that robotic and calm and saying all the right things and honoring every moment would be better. So it's not even real as to your point. Like there's, there's a made up idea that that somehow is, has ever been a recommendation in the literature ever in the history of time. But of course, on balance, you want to figure out ways to stay regulated and, and, of course, you're a human who's going to get dysregulated and then you make repairs. And and this is life. We've all been in many relationships and friendships and we know how humans are. So I don't know how it came to be that parents have expected that of themselves or that anybody has translated the science in a way that wouldn't be based in the reality of being a person. Like that, that feels, I almost felt like, I guess part of why it's important to talk about is also we can't do the job that we do in supporting parents if the risk is that it is coming across as the wrong is, is that kind of information. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it, honestly like I'm just going to be really real because that's how you and I do. I feel really annoyed lots of times. Like, let me give a really specific example. I'll say to a parent, look, if you want cooperation from your kid, your young kid, if you are playful in going about doing it, you're probably going to get a lot more cooperation without the battle. So like, for example, your kid doesn't want to get into the car seat and you're like, oh, please don't sit in your car seat today because my imaginary friend is sitting there. And if you sit on him, uh-huh. he's going to scream and I have to do that weird dance. Like, and you, you so you come up with something silly you're or playful. Silly. You're mm-hmm. just silly, playful, you know, or like the, one of the examples we have in the whole brain child is, uh, or maybe it was in no drama was like my kid was having a total tantrum because he wanted me to give him a bath. So my She's husband- referring to No Drama Discipline, which is an incredible book. So one of my kids was having a meltdown because he wanted me to give him a bath and I was not available. So my husband started pretending to be me, right? Like 
that silliness, that's playfulness, and they were cracking up in it. And so you get cooperation that way. So if someone hears me talk about use playful parenting as a way to elicit cooperation. Okay, so that's the advice I'm giving. Now, someone's going to hear that and feel like they have to do a puppet show and be playful for every interaction. And that is not what I'm saying. And honestly, I find it really annoying. These are tips and and it's tips and tools to try. And then, you know what, the next night you're like, you need to brush your teeth and I'm too tired to have the battle with you. So do it, you know, and that's (laughs) fine too. Like, and I'll say too, I have two other thoughts about this. One is I think some of this in a way is like, okay, let me give this disclaimer. Of course, anyone who knows my work knows that my life's work is dedicated to the idea that what we do as parents matters. Okay, so let me just be really clear about that. I also want to say that we are not the end all be all for every single thing that our child turns out to be. So I think in a way it's kind of arrogant. Like I feel like we do this fear-based parenting, like, oh, if I, you know, if I let my kids sleep in the bed with me tonight, they're always going to be in the bed. No, that's not true. That's fear-based parenting. And at some point, or like, let me see, like we, we are not the only ones influencing how they turn out. Like, right. We don't get credit if they're rock stars or if they're, you know, disasters. That is a level of arrogance that's completely or a level of self something, narcissism. Perhaps. We're not that important. I mean, we're we're the we're the most important, but we're but not right. that important that we are everything. So at some point, you know, your eight-year-old or whatever says, Oh, you know, something about sleeping in their mom's bed and their peers are gonna gasp. And then they're going to be like, oh, okay, I don't want to do that anymore. Like their peers. So like I had a mom come to me for kindergarten or her kid was about to start kindergarten and she was like a chronic nose picker. And so the mom was like, you know, I've done everything. I've put, you know, hot sauce on her fingers. I've like, I've done everything. She still picks her nose and she's going to get made fun of and she's going to be bullied. And so this mom had a lot of anxieties about her social milieu going into kindergarten as a chronic nose picker. And I was like, look, you've done everything you can do. Just trust the process, right? So her daughter goes to kindergarten, picks her nose the first week. The kids are like, ew, and run away from her. Guess what? She still picked at home, but not at school. Their peers socialize them. There's going to be some teacher or friend's parent or grandparent or someone along the way that's going to be like, why are you doing that? That's so weird. Or you smell, you need to start taking showers. Like, it's not all on us. I think that's important to know. But then you're afraid. Like, I think it's so hard to say anything because parents are the number one environmental influence on child development. 100%. Yes. That feels really big. But then Huge. in the same, same message, parents are not the only influence on exactly. their children. We need to hold that complexity. We both have to be, we have to be able to have these conversations and have complexity. And when people want an extreme, it's much sexier and it definitely gets more visibility. But the reality is, is most of the science isn't that sexy to talk about because it's not that extreme. (laughs) And so in this case, we have, we have an influence, we have a lot of influence, and we also don't have all that much influence. Not we have to be comfortable with both of those things. Exactly. And and so that's why it also feels like there is this sense, there's a pressure for parents to to be like, I don't, I, I, I don't care. There's all this parenting nonsense. It's too much. Let's go with, let's just let go of all of it to the extreme of being so panicked and feeling so 
distressed because you didn't do the exact right thing or because your mom said, you know, praised your child for how they look instead of the process that they were doing (laughs) with their puzzles or whatever it is that is, you know, capturing your self-consciousness. But that space between also not super sexy is we got to, we got, of course we have to care and have intention and hopefully make decisions with our thinking brains and how we respond to our kids. And also there are moments when we're just like, I don't care. Just do your thing. Like that has to be okay. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I know it sounded like I'm knocking gentle parenting. I'm a big fan of gentle parenting, you know, in that article, they talked about Mona Delahut's new book, which I adore. I love that book so much. And they're, you know, mindful parenting. Yes. Respectful parenting. Yes. Intentional parenting. Yes. I'm a fan of all of it. But what I'm saying is let's not go to this extreme. Like, let me give a really specific example. There's no one way. So let's say people like, here's a question I get all the time. Okay, what do you do if your kid's really disrespectful to you? How do you handle that in the moment, right? So my kid's like, I hate you. You're so stupid. And they're, they're coming at me and attacking me. You know what? There are lots of good ways to respond to that. One way is to say, is let's, here's, let's, here's the gentle parenting way, which is to say, okay, my child is having a, a stress response. They are not yet, their brain is not yet fully developed and they don't yet have the same emotional breaks. So I'm going to co-regulate. And I'm a big fan of this response. You've heard me talk about it a million times across my lifespan um, or my career. So in that moment, the way I might respond from that approach is to say, oh, buddy, I can see you're having such a hard time right now. You're so angry. How can I help? What do you need? And then I'm going to soothe and comfort and connect in that moment. Unless my kid says, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I don't want you to connect with me. And I'm going to respect that, right? So there's all the, a million iterations of this version, right? And then after my child is regulated again, and I've comforted him and calmed him down, then I'm going to go back and say, hey, the way you talked to me earlier, that didn't feel good. Can we talk about that? And how can you make things right with me? And what could you do next time you feel? It's okay to feel angry, but it's not okay to talk to me that way. So what could you? Okay, so we could do that. That's the gentle parenting approach. Here's another way I could handle it. My kid's coming at me. I hate you. You're so stupid. Attacking, attacking. I can say, I can see that you're having a really hard time right now, but I don't let anybody talk to me that way. So either we can have a conversation now where you're speaking to me respectfully, or if you need a little bit of time to calm down, then let's pause and have the conversation later. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm totally setting a boundary. You cannot talk to me that way. And I'm going to, I'm going to step away even right? I'm going to say, I'll come back and check with you when you're ready to do this. I think that's a beautiful response too. And you know what? I'm going to call it in the moment. Or here's another response. You can't talk to me like that, <laughs> which is funny because he just did. He totally can. He you can't talk to me like that. You know, you know, you don't know what I do for you around here and you just start going and you attack back. Okay. So that may happen also. Then if that happens, mm-hmm. then later I'm going to go back and be like, you know what? I wish I had handled that differently. I'm really sorry. I could tell you were having a hard time and I got reactive and I wish I had been more, you know, I wish I had handled that differently. So that's perfectly fine too. We're going to do 16 versions of that. You could also probably even if you have it in you, I remember doing this as a child, which is just what is making me think of this, but bring humor in. Like if it's the right kid and the right family, this may be a very uh, family specific thing, but if your child comes in and is like, I hate you, you're the worst person in the world to say, you know, like, I, I mean, really, or is that what is, is that what's happening here? Like I'm the the worst, worst like I'm number one on your worst list. Yeah. 
like, is it, am I worse than, you know, and for some kids, it'll piss them off more. You don't do that with those kids. For other kids, they'll laugh because they'll see that even coming at you, it didn't throw you off and you're not, your day is not ruined and you get that they're having a crappy time and they just needed to get their shit out. So I think it's about accepting that there are many ways to, to, there are many tools to use, but none of the, the examples you gave didn't set a boundary, even the gentle parenting in quotes one, right. which is why I think, you know, we use that article just as a, as a place to, yeah, to start the conversation. But I've been asked about like how to, you know, explain gentle parenting or define gentle parenting. And I'm like, there's no official definition. No, you could define it as authoritative or you could define it as permissive. It's, it's in the eye of the exactly parent who is parenting. So same with mindful, like what does mindful parenting mean? It just means whatever the hell you want it to mean. It means that yeah. you are available and present that, te- that says nothing about boundaries, yeah. except for if you are available and present, you can notice that there's a boundary that needs to be set. So I think part of the problem is also that the definitions just like if you're just taking it based on one person's, you know, I'm a gentle parenting expert. Okay. But there is no expertise to be had in gentle parenting. It's just a non-existent science. Yeah. And you can't say like you're meeting that, like to meet that criteria, you can never say these five things and you must do it. This you, You have to breastfeed. You can't sleep train. You never use a timeout. Like and I'm not a fan of sleep training or timeouts in most cases. I, I mean, almost all cases. But that doesn't mean that I think someone who chooses to do those things is not a gentle parent. You know what I mean? Like we've just gotten so, like you said, extreme. I sleep trained one of my children. We, you know this. One I yeah. sleep trained and one I did not. I did sleep train in, in, in the sense that I influenced her sleep. Well, it's sleep training has I didn't totally... Try it out because sleep training has different meanings. Like totally. one of my kids, I was like, yeah, I think you can handle this and I'm tired right now. And the other one, I was just like, this isn't going to work for you. So I do think that that's the other thing is that it's arbitrary, these definitions. Totally. Because that's why I think we both feel very much like move toward the science because then these other things are, they're just noise. It's just noise in the space of parenting that is not science-based. And the science allows for, you know, coming back to the center of the story, which is it's not that polarizing and it's not Mm. that extreme. It's so much more about how you as the parent feel comfortable parenting, given the way you were raised and given what your needs are and what your child's needs are. I don't, I, so I think that's true too, is like, why is gentle parenting is neither good nor bad. It's just not not a specific thing to criticize or compliment. I think that might've been also my one question because I did think that article was great at acknowledging that we have taken certain, that culturally we've taken some extremes in parenting, but even naming it as mindful, gentle, respectful, it's like all made up shit. Like, I don't even understand (laughs) that. I I think you could, you, you could be you, we could call it, we could give it a new name. It's, it's, it's all nonsense. That's yeah. kind of how I feel, but I don't know how to, I don't know what that means other than don't cling to the, the parenting as a religion or a, a title of a type of parenting. You're just being a parent. Well, and I think, I think, you know, obviously experts like us, we really do need to be as precise as we can. And actually like I, 
I missed when I said there sleep train, I should have said cry it out because sleep training, That's I'm a fan of and you know, whatever. I, so I, so I wasn't precise with my language there, but then someone might hear that and think that they, you know, can't do anything to influence their, like, so, so right. what I'm saying to you is listen to the experts. And I, you know, this is a big theme in my work as well. And I know yours too, like trust your instincts, trust your baby, trust your child, trust, trust development, have some influence, but we would not, we don't have to be so precious about every single definition or meaning, like take things in context for your particular child and your particular, you know, you, I think, I think it's a, you, your, your particular you, whatever. Okay. There's a book title. I have no idea what this could be about, but I think, you know, and this is, this could, we could do a whole other podcast on this. In fact, I hope we do talk about what we are absolutely certain about. Like, what are the things that would be our like crucial, like we could play like ping pong or volleyball here where we could just go back and forth. And I bet there would only be, there'd probably be less than five things that you and I, or maybe, you know, somewhere around there that we feel 100% absolutely a hundred percent. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm absolutely certain about this and everything else, whatever, do your, you know, we're doing I, that next month. Okay. For sure. But that is important because of what you said, like with your kid, like throwing in humor. Okay. So I'm going to tell something kind of, I don't know, I might be judged for this, but this is all about being real. Right. So I have these three boys and they're all actually hilarious people. They're very funny, great sense of, of humor. And my middle one has, you know, I have this book that I wrote with Dan Siegel called No Drama Discipline. And he has his own manuscript going called Full Drama Discipline. I may have mentioned this before. And anytime yes. I do or say something that he thinks is really bad parenting, it goes in the manuscript, right? So, but sometimes it's like, here's the deal. is like, my kids know they cannot lose my love that I will show up my very best for them at any point, especially when they're having a hard time, that I've got them, they are completely safe, you know, like, like some basics, right? So that in the moment when my kid does or says something kind of shitty, and I'm like, you're the worst, like, what in the, like, what in the hell, like, you're the worst. And then my kid will look at me with this, like, look on his face, because he knows what he did was terrible. And he'll be like, full drama discipline. But like in the moment, like if someone heard me say to my kid, you're the worst, like that would sound so terrible. Tina, my, I have the same, like, like my daughter does the same thing where she's like, can I just videotape to be clear? You just said, you know, basically you're the worst. And I'm she's like, I thought we do, we do the behavior, not the person because it's, it's, and I'm like, can it? Now, see, and I wouldn't have said that to my kid when he was three, right? Like I'm saying a 15 year old, a 15 year old who has just, yeah, who's just done something so ridiculous that he's even laughing at himself. Right. And, and he like, he knows that there's humor in that and that I don't think he's the worst. He knows, I think he's the absolute best, but I think, you know, someone can hear that and say, Oh my God. You know, and to say, so it's all in the context of the relationship we have with our child. And it, that's a moment of humor for us. Right. And exactly. I, like, well, I'll look at like something like my kid has just gotten ice out of the ice maker and there's ice all over the floor. And I look at him and I'm like, seriously, you're the worst. And he'll be like, like, you know, they just, and then they give me a hard yeah. time. And obviously I'm just, I'm being right. Fun. And you're not putting that as a strategy in your book, but there's an understanding like, if your children have this foundation of knowing that the real and the relationship is intact, you get to make jokes that everything isn't so precious. That's the, that's the wonderful part about 
attunement and relationships and connection is that it allows for room to be ridiculous and that nobody misunderstands it as something that now, you know, imagine if everybody was so unhinged by the ice going on the floor and then you're like, oh, you're the worst. It's not said with disdain and like your relationship is now in distress. It's just, it, has, it doesn't unspoken, even have meaning. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. There's an unspoken, I love you so much. Get that ice off the floor, you shithead. Like exactly. there is no, there's nothing, but you can't, you know, of course you can't have that nuance with a three-year-old. You wouldn't no. say that to a three-year-old, but you've earned it in your building of your relationship over time. And now a word about my sponsor, Talkspace. It goes without saying that mental health is health to me. Using Talkspace has just made it easier for people to access therapists that are available in the times that you need them. There is a real crisis in finding licensed therapists right now. So being able to find, so when it comes to therapy and psychiatry, getting the help you need has really been made simple by Talkspace. When you're able to access your provider from the comfort of your device, it also means therapy can be on your schedule. And a lot of people avoid therapy because the wait times, the appointments, and the travel time just do not feel realistic, particularly for busy parents. So I wholeheartedly recommend Talkspace for therapy. You can sign up online and start therapy as soon as you need it. You can text, video, send voice messages, and it's incredibly convenient to have virtual sessions from the comfort of your home, which research has shown, surprisingly, frankly, that it's actually effective in a way that we never before the pandemic understood virtual therapy to be. Talkspace lets you send and receive unlimited messages with your dedicated therapist in the Talkspace platform, and you can set goals with your therapist that they can hold you accountable for, make sure you're really progressing, shift your perspective, find tools, and really help your own mental health so that you can be the best parent possible. And Talkspace is the number one therapy platform. It's affordable, it's secure, and as a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code HUMANS to get $100 off your first month and show your support for the show. That's HUMANS and Talkspace.com. I used to go through disposable paper towels like crazy. And even though I try very hard to think about sustainability, as you all know, I also really like convenience. And sometimes I just clean up spills and wipe down counters and just dry my hands with paper towels. And when I heard about papayas, reusable paper towels, I thought I was curious about them, but not willing to do an ad until I tried them. But they seemed like such a great solution, even though it seemed unlikely that it could be as effective or clean. And then it was amazing to me that one papaya paper towel replaces, brace yourselves, 17 rolls of disposable paper towels, not 17 sheets, which would have been fine, 17 rolls. And so that is why I was sold on trying this out. And then I use them. They're so cute. So I have them hanging up on two clips that they actually sent me right next to my kitchen sink. And they're, they have cute, very neutral, chic, kitchen-friendly designs. I spilled coffee. I soaked it up with my papaya paper towel. And like magic, it is absorbent. You wash it out, squeeze it, hang it right back up. And it is 
good to go. You can always throw them in the dishwasher if you get skeeved out after a while, but you don't need to. They don't smell. They do not mildew. These are a really cool product and they are also 100% compostable. So after a few months of use, you can just start a new one. It's the kind of product you never knew you needed until you've tried it for yourself. So I have a code for you. Just try it. Trust me. Use the code HUMANS. Get 20% off your first order at papaya, www.papayareusables.com. That's papayareusables.com. Not only will you get a discount with the code HUMANS, you will also just feel like you did something very nice for the planet and yourself. I want parents to hear this because, you know, one of the things that the article pointed out is that this kind of way of thinking that we have to be 100% fully like perfecty perfect all the time is so damaging because no one can live up to that. So then we sit in this kind of shame and judgment of ourselves. And that's not even like all the things if we're doing, if we're over hyper parenting anyway, it's not even good for our kids in the first place. But beyond that, like, I think she, what she said in the article that I think is really, I feel really like I really resonate with what I'm hearing from my audience is there's so much then fear of making a misstep. Like she, she talks about how, if you just say to your kid, good job, and you're not specific enough with your praise, right. you're like, oh my God, they're going to be a drug addict now right. because I said good job. Like, and I do, I think there's, there's that kind of importance we're giving to these micro moments. That's not mm-hmm. helpful. And so if we say to your kid, oh, you're fine, you're okay. Or we say, you know, like, good job. Or we aren't having a reflective dialogue about putting the shoes on for the length of time that the child wants to process the emotion when you're late to the doctor's office, like that you're doing something wrong. And so I tell that story and, and, and to say that you're not going to mess your kid up if you say good job. Like, obviously, yes, we know that the science says- Be aware it, that more specific is- it, Better. It, on a good day, if you're in a great mood and you remember, that's the only reason to know this information. But it's yeah. not to take those moments that are perfectly natural where you're just, it's this thing that where you're going to say good job instead of good job tying your shoe with your left hand. <laughs> Everybody's going to be okay. Right. And Everybody's going to be okay. It's just an awareness of, I mean, the- there has to be, I, I want us to be able to impart information without it being taken in this way that's so precious. Yes. And so the only, I mean, I guess it's also emphasizing you throw away 80% of that. You know, yeah. you just, you take that information in and also almost force yourself to take, to have intentional moments of going, I don't care. I don't yeah. care what the science says. I don't care, but I'm just going to do what I'm going to do because that's also part of the exercise is just like getting comfortable blowing it. Yeah. And I just, I think what I'm worried about is parents lying in bed at night, not able to fall asleep because they're like, oh, I said, good job. And I wasn't specific enough in my praise, right? Like that is, those are the little, like, those are the little things. And I think, you know, sometimes experts have advice that is like prescriptive that should be followed. But most of the time, it's more impressionistic. And think about your child and your capacity. And, you know, if you say to your kid, like, look, I don't, I I don't have it in me to read stories tonight, you just need to go to bed on your own tonight. 
That does not mean your child is not going to excel academically next year. Like it's fine. It's just, let's take the pressure off. And I don't want, honestly, if we're lying in bed at night, thinking about all the things we didn't measure up to that are all little things, we're forgetting about the the things that matter most. And honestly, we're probably dealing with kind of some neurotic anxiety that's going to keep us from really being able to connect in a more present way. Like it's just, it's always, it's just back to that, build the relationship with your child, do your best. And there's no rule book where there are specific definitions. You have to check boxes every day. Oh, was my praise specific enough? Yes. Specific praise. The science tells us it's good. Much better than just generic. Great. Practice it sometimes. Try it. Try Do it sometimes. Do it when you can. And like, I think about, I, I one time said like, if you send your kid to lunch where everything in the lunchbox isn't like non-GMO, organic, non-dye, cut into woodland creature shapes, like your kid's going to be <laughs> fine. I promise you. Like, yeah. just do same like, idea, just, actually. Right. Yeah. On balance, you you have you try to have hormone free milk. There are going to be times when you're out and there's going to that is not I don't know if that's a good example, but yeah, the, we, we have we have gotten ourselves tied into such knots, but information is there to be helpful. It's not there to be harmful. Yeah. I really love the takeaway of, I wonder if we can come up with a few takeaways from yeah. the conversation today. And obviously this is, Tina and I are going to have our follow-up conversation next month and maybe we can get some feedback from people about what they want to yeah. hear about more specifically. But I wonder if there are some takeaways today because we want to continue to provide guidance and support and science, but not at the expense of being confident as a parent or right. and enjoying it. Yeah. So I, I remember when I was doing, when I first started working with parents in groups, then they would, they would see me with their babies, let's say. And just because I was in New York city and you bump into people and they would apologize for something like, I'm so sorry. He doesn't usually have a pacifier in his mouth during, you know, during the day. I don't know. Some, something so ridiculous. And I realized that was a, it was an early indicator that somehow I was delivering information in the wrong way. Mm. If the if the feeling from the parent was to apologize to me. And that was a really big lesson because there was something about the delivery that went wrong. It was not yeah. that the parent was doing something wrong. Yeah. I think I'm still learning. I'm still learning how yeah. to advise based on the science without communicating that that's what I expect any human to do a hundred percent of the time with preciousness for every moment. And if they don't, they're a failure. So I think that's, that's, that's a, big a great book title too. That's what I said. That's a great book title too. Yeah. That was a long one, but a good one. It was yeah. a really, really long sentence, that every, but it captures everything because it yes. is so many, it's a, like, it's a big run on sentence. This getting, you know, getting everything across and also not feeling like it's, got to be everything at all times because yeah. it doesn't. And if it did, it would be too much anyway. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. So maybe that's a big takeaway is much of the time, 
Much like, of the time. Much of the yeah, time. But most of the what time. What can you do that's more than 50% of the time? Yeah. I mean, just like, is your child's main experience with you? Yeah. You know, great. That's well, great. So that's the good question to, to take away is, is this, is this the main experience? And then the rest is noise and rounding errors and doesn't matter. And let it go so hard. Like let that extra go so hard that you don't question yourself anymore because on balance, well, you know, the majority of the time, you know, that things are going well. I think people too. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, I think that's the idea of not being so extreme. Parenting is an extreme sport anyway. Like let's not be extreme in all of these, you know, ways of, of thinking it has to be so intense and all the time. And I think the other thing I would love for people to know is that you and I have really different, let me say it this way. Parenting, <laughs> parenting experts who are trained like you and I are, we have really different audiences. I don't mean different. You and I have different audiences. I mean, we have some parents who listen to us right, right. are in this more permissive kind of thing and need to be moved more toward set boundaries, set limits, enforce the limits, right? And then we have other parents who listen to us who are in, who are, so we've got the kind of permissive parents that are listening to us. But we also have the authoritarian parents who are listening to us. And there's still this huge gap where we have parents who are listening to us, we hope who are listening to us, who are still into like the, you know, don't ask any questions, children should be seen and not heard, punitive, and and still a lot of our schools and our ways of thinking about kids' behavior are way outdated. And that's where a lot of my work has been is to push against that and to say, you know, children, like if they're having a stress response and it's, you know, Ross Green talks about a can't versus a won't, like we need to be much more curious and much more emotionally available and do a lot more co-regulation. Like that's what I often emphasize. But when I'm emphasizing that, I 100% believe it and the science backs me on this. But if that's in response to school systems and parents who are still very authoritarian, And so when we say that to say, no, it's a stress response, your child needs you to co-regulate them and behavior is communication and we want to be respectful of children and their bodies and understand their nervous system. Yes, yes, all of that. But what happens then is a permissive parent hears that and takes it to the total extreme. That's such a great point because you always, we have to in our work when it's more specifically with an individual. Individual family, you have to target your conversation in the direction that is most useful for that particular family. But when you're talking to large groups, you have to, and the takeaway here is figure out where you, what direction you bend in. And so, what's going to help support you is going to be looking at the other side of it in a different kind of way. Yeah, but if you already bend in a, if boundary setting is just so challenging for you, you probably have to stop listening to the nervous system conversations and the connections because it's gonna fuck with your head. Excuse yeah. my language, but it's gonna mess with your head, and you're gonna think, "Oh God, I think I'm messing with my kid right now because I just told them they have to get their shoes on, and I didn't really think about how they might feel if there are shoes on their feet when they're." when it's, you know, time for school, when they really wanted freedom of their toes, like you're not the right audience, (laughs) the conversation about the nervous system. Yeah. You really need to feel a little bit less, you know, and, and on the other side of it, if, if 
you bend in the direction of controlling. And because I said so, it's maybe not great to talk so much about how important structure and boundaries and limit setting right. is because you might forget the other side of it. So part of it, you're totally right. And it's such a good point. In our work day to day, we have the luxury of making that choice in the conversation. But in the work, in the larger world where we're having a conversation don't with each other, but we don't know who's listening, it's going to be up to the listener to decide who at, who am I in this story or today in the mood that I'm in today yeah. when I'm getting this information so that you can get out of it what you're meant to get out of it and not have yourself turned around over it. I mean, it's like what you said about politics. It's like really polarizing. And I think those are we still are very polarized in these two, in these two ways. And so I think, you know, that's a big takeaway is to say, this is not revolutionary science. This is decades and decades and decades old science that says we need to be high in emotional responsiveness, gentleness, respectfulness, reflective dialogues, co-regulation. And we want to be really high in boundaries and limits and structure. It's, we want both. And again, I think our country still sees that it's one or, or the other. And it's yeah. not, it's not, it's not, it's not. And so I think that's what happens is our listeners come in with an either or mentality. And I think that's really good advice for all of us. Like if you bend one direction, it's important to listen to people that might help you with your growth edge and being high in both. <sighs> I'm so excited to have this conversation with you and also to keep having conversations with you. I love you so much. I love you so much. Yes. And it's so fun. You know, you and I would have had this conversation over appetizers, but I'm glad we got to have it with your audience, which is so awesome. I love your work so much. I'm such a big fan. And we should be listening to lots and lots of voices. You know, I think it's really important, especially the the experts that you trust, listen to them, gather information, and then do what's right for you and your kids in that moment. And if you don't do it well, do it better the next time and make a repair. 